Kapoor, the air enters into water, mud, stool, and whatever else is there. Still, similarly, the living entity, even though situated in varieties of bodies, is aloof from them due to his subtle nature. Therefore, it is impossible to see with the material eyes how the living entity is in contact with this body and how he is out of it after the destruction of the body. No one in science can ascertain this. Vandeham Shigarosiyata Parikamadam Shigarunda Vaishnavam Shashirupam Sadhajatam Sahadharakuratam Vitamtam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sarvathutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Pada Sahagana Lalita Shivishakaran Tatamascha Shri Krishna Tatanya Pavulitanam Nishimdhivaratam Shivasat Gopatavindam Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Here in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna states that the soul is within the body. Right? That's very uh, basic understanding of Bhagavad Gita. Those of you who are coming regularly, you must have heard this many times, that the soul is within the body. It's a basic principle of the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita that the soul is within the body and the soul is that which gives life to the body. And that the death of the body simply means that the soul leaves the body and goes somewhere else. So if we say the soul is within the body, then someone may ask, well, if you cut open the body, will you find the soul? And the answer will be, no, you won't. If you take every single cell in the body and analyze it under a microscope, still you won't find the soul. So where is it? You can't find because it's very subtle. So people may say, well, I don't believe it if I can't see it. So then we may say, well, has anyone ever seen a mind? If we cut open your brain, we also won't find any mind there. Well, we might say that someone who would try to do that, maybe they have no mind. Uh, but we can't see the mind because it is subtle. But nevertheless, we understand it exists because of its effect. We personally experience that we think and experience emotions and make decisions these are all uh, functions which take place in or by the agency of the mind. Now, now some people claim that the mind is non-different from the brain. But actually we'll find in all languages, except maybe uh, some very primitive languages, that there are different words for brain and mind. The brain is something that can be seen. The mind is more subtle. So in the same way, even more subtle is the soul that uh, we can experience that we are so. Actually, we are so. But we are so much, we are very much lost to ourselves. That's saying in Tamil, a person is lost to himself. We are so lost to ourselves that we don't even know who we are and we may even deny that we are souls, that we, who we actually are. But we so much identify our existence being uh, this body, Nothing. which is gross 
that we are far removed from understanding our real existence, which is actually very subtle. Uh, the existence of the soul can be understood from uh, various examples. That one I've given many times that in every language of the world, when someone dies, they say he's gone away. That means something went away, and that is the soul. Right? In Tamil, what do they say? Someone has gone away when they die? No, no, no. What is that? Something
that there must be more. I am something more than simply the body and the mind and the senses. You may think, well, if I had all facilities for material enjoyment, how happy I But we find there are many people with all facilities for enjoyment and they're not, they're totally frustrated. Some of these uh, Indian Rajas, they had all money and the British were looking after actually their kingdoms and they just were enjoying, they had no work to do. Just they were in the position, king, that's all. They had so much money and they had nothing to do. So there was no food that could interest them because they already had all kinds of rich foods and already they got indigestion so many times. And it's described that some of them, they used to keep big harems, so many wives and beautiful women, but they couldn't find any interest in all these beautiful women. You might be thinking, well, I'd be interested. But they enjoyed and they enjoyed and they enjoyed and enjoyed and enjoyed. <laughs> Nothing left. Not that they were like sannyasis. They were, they were trying to get some interest. they take some some very strong meat and wine and different aphrodisiacal kinds of foods to try to make them interested. Didn't work. Simply born. <laughs> Sitting among so many beautiful women and born. So, by the grace of God, one may come to some point in life feels this is disgusting. There must be more to life than this. There must be more to life than simply bodily, mental and intellectual enjoyment. And uh, at that point, if one can understand that actually I'm not the body, you can intuitively understand. At that point I was making the other evening that uh, in what we can broadly call Western philosophy, they rely very much on only that which we can uh, empirically perceive or deduce from our em- empirical perception. But in what we can broadly call Eastern philosophy, uh, more importance is put on actually what we can call intuition. Because what we can experience through our gross senses, by the, because it's gross, it's on a very base platform. So the very meaning of gross. And that's the very meaning of spiritual, that it begins where the gross ends. So it's a most unreasonable proposition that we should have to measure that which is most subtle, namely the spiritual, by that which is most gross, namely the material. So here are some examples given of the uh, spiritual realization of a self-realized person. Now he factually uh, realizes the difference between the body and the soul. It's not just for him a matter of theorizing, but he practically experiences it. That although within the body, he doesn't feel himself to be the body. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't feel pain and pleasure from the body. In the uh, hot season, then the uh, self-realized person also feels hot. And even a self-realized person, if he goes to Uti in January, will feel cold. Magashirsha. What do you say in Tamil? So, uh, but he doesn't identify with it. He may feel some discomfort either way, but he realizes that this is actually, it's simply the interaction of the modes of material nature. I have nothing to do with this. 
So this is the first point of Bhagavad Gita to be understood, Krishna is explaining. He's explaining in some great detail because we have to understand clearly that we are not the body. And uh, ultimately all this uh, is to lead us to understand who we are and what is our relationship with Krishna. It's ironic that uh, many people in India, they want to discuss about Krishna and so many things, but they don't understand this basic point that we're not the body. They'll uh, make accusations against Krishna. So if if this uh, understanding of the difference between the soul and the body is so subtle, then how much more so are the pastimes of the Supreme Soul, Krishna. Krishna is making it very, very clear here in Bhagavad Gita, what is the difference between the soul and the body? The real purpose of all this is just to make our entrance into uh, real spiritual life, which means bhakti or love of Krishna, devotional service to Krishna, to make that uh, very smooth, simply to understand that we are not the body. Of course, that's a very great realization compared to the uh, non-realization of the average materialistic person. But actually, we have to progress uh, much further to understand who we are. We are are the eternal servants of Krishna. What is our eternal loving relationship with Krishna? Either as servant, friend, parent, or lover. Now, this uh, pure love for Krishna, that is the goal of Bhagavad Gita, And uh, when one is introduced to devotional service, he is immediately introduced to pure devotional service. Together, in our Sampradaya, we teach like that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's process is a a crash course in Krishna consciousness. Crash course, you all know that, crash course. Crash course, I mean, it means just like you explained it. Okay. Crash course. It means that just like, for instance, you have to study five years to get a qualification. And then some school comes in and tells you, okay, we'll we'll teach you everything in one month. You just, uh, you have to study 22 hours a day and we'll have you, or whatever, maybe not that much, maybe 16 hours a day. You study for one month and at the end you can sit the exam and get it finished. So the same thing that could be attained with a long, slow, gradual process by intensely and quickly you can get it also. But you really have to dedicate yourself if you're doing a crash course. You can't think of anything else while you're doing it. You can't say, well, you know, there's a good match on cricket, so, you know, I'll just take a little break. (laughs) Or you can't say, well, you know, uh, I'm kind of tired of this. I think I'll give it up. I'll come back later. I'm getting tired of this. I can't be bothered. No, won't work in a first course. With intense concentration, fully following all the directions of the teacher, you have to fully concentrate, fully dedicate, eat, sleep, drink, think, whatever subject you may be studying. Sometimes they do that during wars. You see, just like in the... Maybe that's where the work came from, crash course. Anyway, the fact is that, you know, they were just young kids, you know, they were just hardly shaving, and all of a sudden they were out, you know, they had a crash course, and all of a sudden they were out there fighting in the sky with the, with the they hardly know how to fly the plane, and they're, fly, they're fighting against the big German Luftwaffe. <laughs> so you can imagine when they were studying, they were, you know, when they were learning how to fly, I mean, they weren't, uh, they weren't thinking of what was on TV. Mm. They were really concentrating because it's a matter of life and death. 
not only is it my own personal life and death, but I'm fighting for my country. So how much dedication, how much determination. So like that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's process is like a crash course. Instead of going through so many lifetimes of doing karma yoga and then so many... But you get to the end of that, you do so many lifetimes of jnana yoga and then after that you do a few sacrifices and then after that you... After many, many lifetimes of going through karma and jnana, then you finally surrender to Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, come now. But I'm not qualified. Just like in the war, it doesn't matter. You're not qualified, whatever. Get in there and study. You're going up you're going up in the sky in two weeks, so get qualified quick. You have to do it. But what if I don't? Well, then instead of being shot in the sky by the Germans, you'll be, they'll come in and shoot you on the ground. So better get up there and do something for your country. So in the same way, if we don't take to Krishna consciousness, we'll be shot down by Maya. Actually, there's no alternative in this age of Kali. There's no alternative in this age of Kali. Either you take to Krishna consciousness or you get shot into the ground by the bullets of Maya. Once uh, Srila Prabhupada was on a TV program, it was a very prestigious TV program that uh, everyone in England was watching, Late Night Lineup. Actually, it was called Late Night Lineup, but it was only about 10 o'clock or 10.30. Nowadays, that's early. In the 1970s, that was quite late. Things have changed. Getting Anyway, the, uh, the interviewer kind of facetiously asked Prabhupada, you know what facetious means? It means like, you know, being smart. Being smart yeah. means, you know, like being uh, overly smart. So he was yeah, asking about, Prabhupada was explaining about, about uh, reincarnation, how you have to chant Hare Krishna. So the interviewer facetiously asked him, now, well, Swamiji, uh, according to your philosophy, if you don't chant Hare Krishna, what happens to you in your next life? Prabhupada said, you become a cat, and the man looked shocked. So Prabhupada gave an alternative also, or a dog. <laughs> so actually it was a live program, and at that point they just cut it out. It was too much, they couldn't digest it. Because I, presumably the, the interviewer and the director of the show and everyone, they were determined that they weren't going to turn on Krishna. <laughs> Presumably the director, the interviewer, and everyone else involved, they were determined that they were not going to chant Hare Krishna. So when they were told they were going to become a cat and dog, they didn't like that very much. Can someone give the translation of this verse? Anyone? Well known verse. That's the last line. That's famous last. Famous last line. Mati. First word is mati. Means mati. Mind. Mind like that. Consciousness, inclination. In this verse it means in matiya na Krishna. They're not unto Krishna. Some persons, they're not inclined to Krishna. Uh, neither by the endeavors of others nor by their own endeavor will they ever become inclined towards Krishna. By their own endeavor they won't become inclined to Krishna. This means just like some people say, I'm searching for the truth. Have you heard this? People say, I'm searching for the truth, as if it's something very wonderful to search for the truth. <laughs>
But Prabhupada would say to such people, why are you searching for the truth? Nonsense. This is the truth. Krishna, why don't you take? No, no, I'm searching. <laughs> but I'm giving. No, no. <laughs> to check out some more. So they're not sincere. Because if you're actually sincere to know the truth, then the truth will, means Krishna will reveal himself to you. But persons who want to make a show of being spiritual, they say that we are searching for the truth. So, as such persons cannot find out Krishna, Prabhupada said even they go to big, they organize big, big conferences to discuss the religion and world peace. They light a candle for world peace while someone else is lighting a bomb somewhere else. Maybe blow them up too. You know, they go to these conferences, they light a candle and then for world peace. How is lighting a candle going to give any peace? Someone else, they're lighting a bomb at the same time. And they're set for peace. And they take photos. Dalai Lama. <laughs> and they organize uh, big yagyas, homams for world peace. It won't work. How to get peace? That's described by Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. Unless we accept Krishna's supremacy, we cannot have peace. Prabhupada gave very uh, practical and piercing analysis analyses from Scripture. Uh, which were relevant to the world situation. The Prabhupada very uh, pragmatically analyzed that how can you expect peace in the world if you keep people like cats and dogs? Now when we say like this, cats and dogs, usually people laugh. But Prabhupada, he wasn't saying it as a joke. He was very serious. Prabhupada gave the example that if you, uh, if you bring a group of dogs and put them in a room, will there be any peace? They'll simply all bark at each other. So in the same way, a people, if their consciousness is not any more than that of a dog, then how can you expect peace? They can have peace conferences for millions of years and there will be any peace. You can look in the newspaper any day and there will be some peace talks going on. On one side of the paper there will be peace talks and on the other side there will be war, bombings, terrorism and all these things. Every day. Peace talks go on and the lack of peace goes on also. There's no need actually to read the newspaper. You can write it, once you've seen it for a few times, you can write it yourself. <laughs> Just change the names and the places and the dates and the numbers, how many people killed, and uh, it's all the same. No peace. So there cannot be peace because they don't recognize Krishna as supreme, just on the level of consciousness of dogs and cats. Can we convince a dog that he's not the body? Sometimes we hear that some dogs are very intelligent. Some breeds of dog, like this Alsatian, Labrador, they're supposed to be very intelligent. You can train them to be to do various things, guide dogs and police dogs and all these kinds of things. These little white dogs, they're most popular in India among people who keep dogs, but they're not very intelligent. They're more, they're more intelligent breeds. But however intelligent they are, you can't explain to the dog that you're not the body. It's... Uh, the consciousness which goes with that body is so limited that the dog cannot understand more than I am the body. Similarly, there are some souls in human bodies who they have no interest in spiritual understanding. And though they may say, well, I'm a Hindu and I know I'm not the body, practically speaking, they act simply for the body. 
So this is dark level of consciousness. And therefore, due to uncontrolled senses, they enter into the darkness of ignorance. And therefore, punak punak charmita charmana, simply chewing the truth, chewing the truth, chewing the truth. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is offering a quick course to come up from dog level to godly level immediately. That even though people in Kali Yoga are very low consciousness, if we take to this process of chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And just understand this very basic philosophy of Bhagavad Gita as it is. Then we can go beyond the bodily concept of life. Come out of this animalistic bodily consciousness and come to Krishna consciousness. Is it clear? It should be. It should be understandable. We're saying the same thing in various ways. Just to get this point very clear. Because it's very easy to be sucked into that bodily consciousness. And you don't need lessons in how to get into bodily consciousness. But uh, just as a kind of negative teaching or teaching by giving a, a reverse example, I can give one example of how you can very easily get into bodily consciousness. Just switch on the TV. <laughs> TV on. Pure Tamil. <laughs> So immediately caught. Because it shows people in a state of intense bodily consciousness. And it shows people who by their drama and acting, they are pretending that they are experiencing some great pleasure by bodily consciousness. And the message, whether it's a drama or whether it's a spot or whether it's an advertisement, is that you should also enjoy like this. This is the implicit message in every second of TV viewing time. They want to present, this is enjoyment. They have to present like that because that's how they get you to watch the TV, their program and that's how they get their money from the advertisements. So then the, the, the drama or the spots and that's showing this is all enjoyable. And then the, then the advertisement comes on that you buy this and buy that and then you'll be so happy. So it's a very intense propaganda for bodily consciousness. And if, if you get absorbed in that, then immediately your Krishna consciousness finished. Just like when we say this is a crash course, and you say, well, you know, how long is it going to go on for? One month, two months, the whole month. And you may think, well, that's not a crash course. I thought a crash course was supposed to be very quick. Actually, it is very quick because usually it takes Bahunam Janmanamanta. Usually, it takes many, many lifetimes to come to Krishna consciousness. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving now. Take it. Prabhupada used to say, "Just give this one life to Krishna. So many lives to Maya. Sorry, we've given so many lives to Maya. Trying to be happy in Maya. When I was in the body of a she pig, I gave my life." my romantic feelings, everything, to Mr. Pig. <laughs> I was a very faithful wife. I gave him so many children. I loved him with all my pig heart. And one day, 
tragedy. They came and took him and cut his throat. Actually, they don't cut pigs' throats. They, they, they stick them in boiling water and so many horrible things. And I was feeling so distressed and they came and caught me and stuck me in a tub of boiling water also. But I was sincere. Whatever it was, I was, I was sincerely being a pig. Without any deviation, I was playing fully the part of a pig. Then I became a cockroach, still eating stool, but in smaller quantities this time. I was a very sincere cockroach. So many lifetimes I've been sincerely trying to get sense gratification in various forms. But it is a thing. So just give this life to Krishna. So many lifetimes we wasted dedicating our mind and senses to the wrong thing. Now we have achieved this very rare human form of life. We should give ourselves to Krishna. So many lifetimes we've been identifying with the body and simply suffering therefore. This is liberating knowledge to understand I'm not the body, I'm the eternal servant of Krishna. This can be directly experienced. It directly experienced the transcendental happiness of Krishna consciousness. Just like you see, yeah, there was such nice kirtan, everyone blissfully dancing and chanting. That is a different quality of singing and dancing to that, just like the taipusam or the, uh, the party or the uh, wedding march or something like that. Even that type of person, it's material, it's not spiritual. It's religious, but it's not spiritual. There's a difference. Spiritual, I don't know how the word comes in Tamil, but anyway, there may be some spirits involved. Means like some boots or something like that. But that is nothing to do with the pure experience of Krishna consciousness. So in you say that? Buddha? Buddha. There's some hypnotic state, but that's actually a transformation of Tamagun. Hypnotic, hypnotic, hypnotic. <laughs> so, uh, Krishna conscious means the pure spiritual exchange of love with Krishna, the Supreme Personality of